creating cultural awareness and understanding. This is Culture Click. Culture Click is written and produced by KQAL-FM on the campus of Winona State University. The past is a unique concept for us. We try to preserve it through images, writings, and recordings, but we can never truly capture the time as it was. As the moments pass, they become shattered memories with each piece being stored in separate minds. And those memories never last forever. Today on Culture Click, we get the opportunity to see the past as we hear experiences from the late Winona residents of the 1950s. Join us as we get to hear voices from the past. Several people came to the Winona Historical Society in order to experience voices from the past. All the people portrayed here were real people who passed away, but actually lived in Winona during the 1950s. The first in our visit was drive-in restaurants. Welcome to Woodland, oh, Woodlawn, snack and go. What do you have, Harlan? Well, tell me, do you carry any of that good old Abel's root beer? You've been asking me that for years, Abel. You know we only do Coca-Cola products. Hi, I'm Myrtle Francis Douglas, and I worked at the S.S. Kresge lunch counter. Now, I was born in 1921 in Dunn Center, North Dakota, and I died here in 2001. I was very, very um, lucky to be here because it turned out that I uh, worked in the restaurant and had a good time. Um, Probably getting used to what, uh, getting used to whatever it was. Uh, now remember, you, Emil Brzezinski. Emil Albert Brzezinski, born 1905 in Whitehall, Wisconsin, passed away 1987 in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Emil was the operator, the founder and the operator of Emil's Drive-In. Now, Emil's Drive-In is now today known as Lakeview, and you probably know it, yep, but it was Emil's root beer state, and it was a very, it was a great place to go, and it was called one of the eating wonders of the world, and, uh, well, maybe of America, but many travel books really thought so. No, they didn't. They thought it was great. In those days, it was very popular. In fact, I would say that locally owned drive-ins were a big deal. They were a real big deal. And there were six of them, six of them in Winona. And uh, they were very, very popular. And I would say that Abel's was the most popular. Now, I read somewhere that Abel's was the oldest and the best, but probably mostly the oldest restaurant in Winona. Uh, how old, Abel? Abel. Uh, old Abel's doing just fine. Thank you very much, household girl. Ah, now I'm talking about the oldest restaurant. The oldest restaurant. And I am asking when it began. When was it open? As you come into the parking lot, you look on your left, you will see carved out a giant wooden root beer keg. And it was carved by a chainsaw artist from St. Paul. And on that root beer keg, it says 1938. All right, I got it, I got it. You see, 1938 is the year that I founded Abel's Root Beer Stand. After a while, I kind of like closed off the building a little bit so people could eat in my restaurant year-round and uh, serve a fuller menu. And I also later on named it the Parkview drive through Oh, well, 
USS Kresge's, where I worked, opened in 1918, and it operated till 1965. Now, in those days, five and dimes, that's what Kresge's was, five and dimes, were the earlier version of what you would call uh, the dollar store today, when a nickel was worth something. But it was, uh, it, it was a very, very well-run place, and uh, I would say that it probably, uh, probably didn't really get popular until probably the mid-50s, but it was, uh, it, it was um, located um, across from Choate's, and now that would be Heart's Desire. It was Kitty Corner from what is today Blooming Grounds, but was St. Clair's. And so it was, um, I think now it's a parking lot, which is too bad. But uh, in the day I worked there, I was uh, promoted to uh, assistant manager, and it was a great place to come. It was, it was friendly. People enjoyed sh like sharing the local gossip. And I think what they liked most was the tasty food. I mean, it was tasty. Now, my favorite was the number two special, which was old-fashioned roast beef and buttered spinach and uh, chopped egg salad and a corn muffin, all for 60 cents. And it was good. But tell me, uh, didn't you have a little bit of competition out there from the F.W. Woolworth Five and Dine Local Chowder about half a block down? Well, you know, there was enough business for both of us. Although I will admit that they, uh, <coughs> they lasted about 10 years longer than we did. They closed in 93. We closed in 83. But uh, speaking of competition, what about A&W? Weren't they right down the street from or down the road near Mankato, I think, right? Uh, I guess. But there were no root beer wars on Sarnia, Myrtle, because we had a friendly competition. You see, my restaurant offered a full menu, not just root beer and fries and hot dogs. Moreover, we were open year-round. The guy who owned the A&W was Rudy Lokensgaard. He was a math teacher at Winona State. He ran the A&W like it was his hobby. It was a place for his kids and his kids' college buddies to make some money over the summer. Besides, I had the best root beer in town. And I still have the best root beer in town, leading me to when are you going to start serving my root beer, Myrtle? When are you going to stop bugging me about it, Emil? Well, now tell me about ice cream. Ice cream, I believe, uh, must have been necessary, wasn't it? Did you have something, some kind of ice cream? Some kind of ice cream. How was I going to make root beer floats otherwise? At first, I had a snowcap franchise, and that did pretty well. But around 1949, soft serve became a craze. And Bernie Jezewski, a Polish ice cream baron, started up one of America's first Zesto soft serve restaurants. And he even, um... What did he call it? What did he, he called call it the, the Zesto, but he loved penguins. He sold it to Rich Jezewski. Yeah. And Rich Jezewski was the guy who loved it so much that he called it the Penguin Zesto. Yeah. And it's still called Penguin Zesto today, only they're two of them. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Well, I'll tell you what, what about the Dairy Queen? There was the Dairy Queen, there is the Dairy Queen. And the Dairy Queen opened, I think, a year after Zesta. Uh -huh. And uh, it, was, it was popular. There was plenty of ice cream to go around, but <clears throat> they made a dilly of a business. <laughs> <laughs> 
Anybody here know how to say Dairy Queen in Polish? Zesto! <laughs> and then we can't forget in the middle town, there was McVeigh's. And McVeigh's, yeah, had uh, scoop, they call it scoop ice cream. And they'd scoop it like that. It was very popular. It was on uh, Huff Street. It was between the two soft serve giants, but it was very popular. And now today it is called Monkey Junctions, still on Huff Street. But tell me, you left Winona. You left Winona and you went to Iowa, didn't you? I did. Uh, yeah, and uh, tell me, when did you sell the business? I sold the business in 1955 to Elmer Terrace. Elmer Terrace ran the business until oh. 1977 under the name of Lakeview Drive-In. Um, in 1977, Bill and Sue bought the restaurant from Elmer Terrace, and they sold it to their sons, Tim and John Glosheski, in 1993. Tim and John are still carrying on the tradition today. Myself, once I got to my own private Iowa, I helped my daughter and my son grow, um, start up restaurants in Cedar Rapids. Our first project was a um, beer restaurant, a drive-in that we called the Parkview Drive-In. And to top that off, we decided to go into a fish restaurant business that we called the Hot Fish Shop. Oh my gosh. You created quite the legacy, Amos. You were something else. But I'll tell you, I noticed you took it across state lines. Rook <laughs> uh, so. beer. Phosphates. Ice cream. What's, What's not, not to love? love? Continuing our trip into Winona's past, we get to experience 1950s healthcare. Well, Ollie, look who's here. Such a nice group of folks. Do you think they wonder what we're doing here? Well, we're here just like everybody else in the Woodlawn Cemetery. We're dead. <laughs> and that's apparent from our gravestones. But we're here to tell them about what happened between when we were born and when we die. Yes, we are. I'm Mary Pendleton. But Ollie, I think you should start your story first, because you died well before me, even though we were born close in years. Well, I am Olga, or Ollie Laufenberger. I was a nurse at the old Winona General Hospital. Now, that's not the one on Mankato Avenue. That's the new hospital. The old hospital was on West Wabashaw Street. I delivered babies for many years and enjoyed it. Well, we were very busy because the 1950s was a big baby boom, and we just had all we could do to keep up with delivering those babies. Uh, in 1955, in 50s, with all of those babies, we were, it was very different than the way it is now. Uh, it's nothing like having a baby. What happened then is the mothers would stay in the hospital at least a week, and most of the time in bed. Some of you might remember that. And the babies didn't come out to visit like they do now with rooming in. Those babies were kept in the nursery and only brought out when it was time to be fed. Yes, and I know dads were certainly not allowed in the delivery room as they are now. Why, visiting hours were very restricted, too. That's right. 
I believe I heard that there was a shortage of infant formula lately around here. Well, I'll tell you, in my day, that was not a problem at all. We made our own formula. I don't know why they're not doing that now. It was very easy. All it takes is evaporated milk, water, and Cairo syrup. Oh. <laughs> I remember those days, Ollie. Hospital care was very different than it is today. Why, sometimes six patients shared one bathroom. I know this because I contracted polio for infantile paralysis back then at the age of 37. Usually it was younger children who contracted polio. Polio was highly contagious and early on nobody really knew how it was spread so people were very afraid to be in crowds. I remember that very well. Well, parents wouldn't even let their children go swimming or even go to the movies for fear of catching polio. And maybe a family would have some outing plan like, oh, going to the county fair or something like that and have to stop it at the last minute because of an outbreak of polio. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know you could feel perfectly fine in the morning and not be able to stand by the end of the day. Oh, it was so mysterious. Sometimes the treatment involved using an iron lung machine because polio paralyzed many parts of the body, including the muscles needed for breathing. It was, it was something. Well, and scientists worked very hard to try and find a vaccine against polio. You might remember the March of Dimes campaign back then. That was started by a famous actor, Eddie Cantor, and families would collect their dimes and send them in as a fundraiser for the polio vaccine. Finally, in 1955, Dr. Jonas Salk refined the vaccine, and that was just a miracle at the time. At first, it was given as an injection, and later, it was in a sugar cube. Since younger children were at the highest risk, the vaccines were given in the elementary schools, and the children just lined up to get their shots. The vaccine was successful in stamping out polio in the U.S. Mary, how did you do everything that you did with having had polio? Yes, having polio was a challenge. It was so isolating. People well, they were afraid to come and see me for fear of catching it, so I felt really lonely. And even though the vaccine came out about the time I contracted polio, there was still a lot of fear about it all around. Well, my right side was affected, so I really had trouble walking. And I had a young child at home, too. But I mostly recovered. I had to use a cane for quite a while. And I went on to live an active life and was very involved, as you were, Ollie, in the Winona community. Later on, I ran Mary Twice, spelled the old English way, T-W-Y-C-E. It was a shop for antique and rare books. You see, I was trained as a librarian and I loved my books. <laughs> <laughs> 
Mary, it seems to me, I just don't recall exactly, but didn't you win a trip to Mexico or something like that? What was that about? How could I forget that? Yes, there was a Winona contest to name a new housing development up on the hill above Winona, near Garvin Heights. Mm -hmm. The prize was a trip for two to Acapulco, Mexico. And I won! <laughs> Don't keep us in suspense. What was the winning name? Well, let's see if any of these folks know. Garvin Heights. Oh, Wind That's right. It was Windcrest. And it was named that because it was at the crest of the hill where the wind blows. And it still does. I think you've heard enough about how we, we rattled the community of Winona and rolled with whatever came along. So folks, time to, to roll along. <laughs> Can I get your name please? Sure, it's Jennifer Weaver and I'm the museum educator with the Winona County Historical Society. So how long has this uh, event going on, the Voices from the Past? We've been doing this for over two decades now, and we started doing themed um, historical topics starting in 2008 when Winona State um, had its 150th anniversary, so kind of a fun connection there. And so we've been doing kind of larger historical themes ever since then. Um, prior to that, we just did individual characters and their stories, and now we're you know, having the individual characters, but they're telling how their life fit into a larger historical topic. And so this year we're doing the 1950s. After our lovely experience in healthcare of the 1950s, we get to experience Shake, Rattling, and Roll, the local music that existed in Winona's scene in the 1950s. Oh, hi folks! Oh, sorry about that. We didn't mean to be rude. Ooh, and probably horribly off-key as well. My name is Kathy Cruiser-Morgan, and I was born in Winona in 1943. I graduated from the senior high in the early 60s, and let me tell you, being a teenager during the 50s was the bee's knees. We just couldn't beat the music that time. That's true. That's true. Hi, everybody. I'm Gary Morgan. Kathy over there, she's my beautiful bride. You know, when we were growing up, you could catch all the top musical acts on TV on American Bandstand with Dick Clark. Then there were the sock hops. Those were dances where we took off our shoes and we danced in our socks so we didn't damage the gym floor. Besides the high school gymnasium, we used to have dances at the Redmond's Club, the American Legion, the YWCA, the Oak Supper Club, the YMCA. But to be honest, Kathy and I were never very musical during our living years. I spent a whole heck of a lot more time lifting weights at the YMCA than I ever did dancing, but now that we have a bit more free time, we've decided to take up this band as a bit of a hobby. Actually, our old classmates, Marlene Tuttlehart, Bobby Zebel, they're, they're around here somewhere. Well, they're the real musicians, and they've been teaching us to play the hits of our youth. Now, you gotta remember, the sound of the 50s completely changed the musical landscape. Rock and roll was new, it was exciting. As teenagers, we loved it and couldn't get enough of it. But our parents, they didn't always approve. Thankfully, I worked at the Lakeview Drive-In, so I always got to hear the hits as I zoomed around waiting cars. Now, artists of that time were Chuck Berry, the Everly Brothers, Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay, so who, who was the one fellow, you know, he played the guitar, he had the horn rim glasses. Buddy Holly. Buddy Ooh, Holly. I know one of his. That'll be the day when you say goodbye. Yes, that'll be the day when you make me cry. You say you're gonna leave. 
know it's like us. That'll be the day when I die. Oh, yeah. Rock and roll sure was fun, but someone who went on to become a farmer, I always had a soft spot for the music of the Grand Old Opry myself. I liked a little bit of country with my rock and roll, so Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, he was my favorite. He mixed rock and roll with country, threw a little bit of blues, a little bit of gospel in there. Maybe you remember something like this when, I hear that train a-coming, it's rolling around the bend. I ain't seen the sunshine since, I don't know when I'm stuck in Folsom Prison. Oh, oh your Johnny Cash impression is terrible. Oh, well, folks, he is trying, I promise. I also love the country sound, but my favorite was Patsy Cline. Now that woman's songs could melt my heart. I know I'll walk in after midnight out in the moonlight just like we used to do. I'm always walking after midnight searching for you. Oh, that's beautiful. Now, not all music of the 50s was so serious, though. I mean, we had fun songs, too. Kathy, remember there was one? It was a one-horn... It, it was a one... Okay, how did that go? It was a one-eyed, one-horn, flying purple people eat a one-eyed, one-horn, flying purple people eat a one-eyed, one-horn, flying purple people eat Sure looks strange to me. That's it. So that song was fun. Although, to be fair, it was a little bit gimmicky. You know, the ones that, the songs that have stuck with me through the years were those that were fun, but also had some heart. Ooh, fun with heart. I think he's talking about Elvis. I think I'm talking about Elvis. Now, there's one thing that most teens at that time could agree upon, and that Elvis was the king. He was recording chart toppers all through the 1950s, of course, until he was drafted in 58. Even still, he had some of the most iconic songs of a generation. I think we can agree that Elvis was 50s music. Absolutely. I bet you remember this one. Oh, well, bless my soul, what's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man of the tree. My friends say I'm acting as queer as a bug. I'm in love. I'm all shook up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm all shook up. Oh, folks, thank you so much for reminiscing with us about the music of our youth. It's all the same to you, though. We really could better get back to practicing. We clearly have some work to do. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank you. With the music over, we get to experience the in-home life of Winona residents of the 1950s. Just to note, one of our cast members is away, so we have a last-minute substitution. We'd like to thank Sam for playing a 17-year-old and allow you to use your imaginations to their Wow. Welcome. We are the Whetstone family. That's Whetstone, not Flintstone. I'm Marlene, and these are my parents. Donald and Lorraine, and my younger siblings, Lyle and Judy. We're going to show you a bit of what it was like in Winona in the 1950s. Good morning, dear. Coffee's ready, but there isn't much cream. I expect the Springdale dairy delivery shortly. All right. Good. I could go for some coffee. Mom, I know that Thursdays are normal scheduled shopping days, but I'm almost out of bro cream. Could you stop by the Piggly Wiggly and pick some up for me? Of course, dear. Though I've already told you, a little dab will do you. <laughs> Ding dong! Oh, that must be the Springdale Dairy delivery now. What good timing. Good morning, folks. I'm here with your weekly order. That's uh, two gallons of milk, a quart of cream, a pound of butter, one dozen eggs, and a half gallon of ice cream. 
that comes to a dollar forty-five. Personally, I think the prices are a bit high, but their eggs are delicious and the butter is so creamy. I suppose it's worth it for the quality and convenience. Honey, is a fuller brush man coming soon? I could use a few brushes to spruce up the chrome and hood ornament on the Bel Air. Well, you are a lucky man. He's scheduled to come today. I'd be glad to help you polish it, Dad. <laughs> Mom? I know that washing is uh, your washing day is today and your ironing is until tomorrow, but there's a sock hop after school tomorrow that I want to go to, and I want to wear my new poodle skirt. Could you iron it for me? Happy to, dear. And don't forget, you promised to babysit the neighbors tomorrow night. They pay 50 cents an hour, so don't miss it. I won't. One more thing. Can I have two dimes to put in my new penny loafers so that just in case I need to call on, the, on a payphone, assuming I can get through on the party line? <laughs> Ask your father, dear. He's the money man in the house. I just manage the household. Yes, you do, dear. But you'd never hear me admit that to any of the other guys. She has a tight schedule. Mondays, she washes. Tuesdays, she does the ironing. Wednesday, she does the mending. Thursdays are for shopping. Fridays are for cleaning. Saturday she does the baking, and she finally gets to rest on Sunday. Mom, these petticoats are itchy. The price of beauty, dear. Ding dong. Good morning. Will you be needing anything today? Yes, sir. I could use some of your wonderful brushes and some of that special chrome cleaner. My wife uses that to polish things around the house as well. Mom, what happened to the Wednesday kitchen towel and the pretty doily that Grandma made for the arm of Dad's favorite chair? Oh, they got mangled in the wringer in the wash this morning. I can embroider a new tea towel, and we'll ask her grandmother to crochet a new doily. She's so good at things like that. Honey, why are your cheeks so pink? Do you have makeup on? It's just a little, Daddy. All the girls are wearing makeup now. Well, if all the girls climbed to the top of the, the interstate bridge and jumped into the Mississippi, would you jump too? Now, go wash your face before you go to school. Oh, Dad, you're so old-fashioned. At this rate, I'll never be popular. Please tell him, Mom. Your father's right, dear. You are much too young for that. Ding dong. Hello, folks. I'm here to spice up your lives. <laughs> uh, uh, standard company joke. Uh, will, will you be eating anything today? Good morning. I'm so glad you stopped by today. I'm totally out of several seasonings and that delicious pepper of yours. And can you add the carbo petro as well? My husband's going to be sharpening the blades on the push lawnmower tonight, so Lyle can know, and we may need to bandage a few wounds. Hey, that's not funny, Mom. That old push mower is so hard to mow with even with sharpened blades. Do you think they'll ever invent things that are easier for us to use? A better lawnmower would be nice. As well as a new washing machine so our clothes don't get all mangled in that wringer. I've even heard of some people getting hurt using it. There's so much progress these days. 
I wouldn't be surprised what the future holds. What made you choose the 1950s? Oh, well, we have a wonderful committee, and we just brainstormed some ideas, and people really loved the idea of trying to bring history forward a little bit. And, you know, some of the older members of the community might have some memories of this era where, you know, younger members of the community are going to learn something totally new. So kind of a fun way to connect different generations. And that's the end of part one of Voices from the Past. To hear the rest of this performance, tune in to Culture Click next week here at 89.5 KQAL. I'm Giovanni Bermudez. Creating cultural awareness and understanding. You've been listening to Culture Click. Support for Culture Click is made possible by the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Culture Click is produced by KQAL FM on the campus of Winona State University. For more information, look us up on the web at kqal.org. And thanks for listening to Culture Click.